The dad and the sister have both performed on this stage, but we've never had an Osborne present the show until tonight. I'm Jack Osborne, and this is the world's greatest music show, and it's still number one because it's the 2000s chart show. Thank you, Edith. Thank you, Jack. This is indeed the 2000s chart show, the podcast reliving the singles charts from 20 years ago. I am journalist and pop music obsessive Samuel Spencer, and this week, 20 years ago, music sounded like this. Yes, indeed it did. Three songs there that were new entries this week, 20 years ago. Frontin' by Pharrell Williams, Pretty Green Eyes by Ultra B, and Hooray Hooray, It's a Cheeky Holiday by the Cheeky Girls. And of course, that last song there, Blue Cantrell's Breathe, was last week's number one. Will it have what it takes to hold on for a second week, where we're soon going to find out as we get into the UK Top 40? But first, let's set the scene a little bit for the 16th of August, 2003. It had been quite a week for sad news if we're honest so quite the way to start this fun look into the 2000s but that is the card that history has dealt us on august the 10th they had the hottest temperature ever recorded in the uk when the country got to 38.5 degrees celsius of course now in 2023 the highest temperature ever recorded in britain was 40.3 degrees celsius which was recorded on july the 28th 2022. Insert your own feelings about climate change there. But the UK was not the only country having a serious heat wave in 2003. On August 11th, it hit 44 degrees centigrade in Paris, which led left 144 people dead. And on August the 16th, today, 20 years ago, the Ugandan dictator Idi Amin died. Such a shame he didn't live to see where the cheeky girls charted with hooray, hooray, it's a cheeky holiday, isn't it? But we, however, will find out where the cheeky girls have charted in the UK top 40 very soon. But first, we need to speak a little bit more about deaths because after 21 weeks in the chart, over five months... Into Club by 50 Cent has finally left the UK top 40, which means we will have a new daddy of the chart this week, the song that's been on the chart the longest. But first, let's quickly say goodbye to 50 Cent's Into Club. And let's also say goodbye. It hasn't been on the chart as long, but was a definite song of the summer of 2003. Wayne Wonders' No Letting Go had severe staying power in the top 10. I think it went from three to number seven and then back to number three. But as soon as it got out of the top 10, it's really nosedived out of the chart. There was not a single person left in Britain who hadn't bought it, it seems, because it went from number 17 last week to number 41 this week, a 24-place drop, which might be the biggest drop we have seen on this podcast so far. And the concept of serious drops leads us into our first song from this week's Top 40 20 years ago. This song has taken an 18-place drop to number 40. In its second week, here is Junior Senior with Rhythm Bandits. We want to Yeah, 
there they go stealing the rhythm and stealing one more week in the UK top 40 by the way if you want to hear all of the songs we play on this podcast in full there is a Spotify playlist if you search the 2000s chart show on Spotify you should be able to find it or you can go to our episode description and that has links to every song that is available in Spotify in order so you can listen to them as we talk about them any song that's not on that Spotify you can head over to our YouTube page and we're slowly but surely trying to upload some of the songs that haven't made it onto Spotify and just a hint for what's to come one of those is in this week's chart so look forward to a forgotten top 10 hit later on but first here is at number 39 in its fourth week on the chart down from 26 Decide with Invisible what would it take to make you see that I side there who of course were part of a minor boy band battle in 2003 we'll see what the results of that were in a few songs time but first at 38 the new daddy of the chart oh yes daddy with 15 weeks on the British chart Buster Rhymes and Mariah Carey with I Know What You Want a few years shed a few tears called each other nickname like sugar plum and poo beer I'm always on the road hardly ever home always busy this busy that can't talk on the phone I know you aggravated walk around frustrated patience getting short how longer can you tolerate it listen mom just motivated I do this for us stuck on the grind trying to elevate it hey you really be honest you stuck with me through my whole struggle can't even express the words how much the kid loves you i'm a stand as a man never above now that this song is the daddy of the chart oh yes daddy love that sound effect i did some more digging about it and would you believe it this song is actually part of perhaps the greatest trilogy of its time dark knight trilogy <laughs> more like a dark shite trilogy compared to this madagascar more like meh Madagascar. Are there three Madagascar films? Don't know. Anyway, point is that this I Know What You Want starts a trilogy that continues with Buster Rhymes featuring Triple Red's I Got You and Buster Rhymes' Amari Carey's Where I Belong. So in the video for I Know What You Want by Buster Rhymes, he is tasked with protecting a rich man's wife and the video ends with her getting kidnapped by a group of masked men so that's video one and then video two which is i got you which comes out about 15 years later buster rhymes asks triple red who seems to be dressed as a random high schooler to find information about where this woman is this kid manages to find information about where this woman's been kidnapped for 18 years in what seems to be about three hours whereas it's taken buster rhymes 15 years so is buster rhymes the world's worst detective well the text doesn't get into it but definitely that's a subtext and then in Where I Belong the latest collab between Buster and Mariah he finally tracks down this woman after 18 years I have to say if I've been kidnapped for 18 years don't bother finding me I've probably just got used to it to be honest so uh, too little too late there as Jojo would famously say if that wasn't enough to make it exciting in the final video the woman is 
travelling around incognito in a red burqa, and then Buster Rhymes has to fight a group of samurais to get her back, so a multi, multi-ethnic cultural appropriation there, exactly what you wanted to see in the year 2022. So check out those music videos after you've stopped listening to this podcast, of course, because we're desperate to know what's at number 37, and the answer is down from 19 last week, Funeral for a Friend with Juno. Before Funeral for a Friend, just to know that when I said it was Buster Rhymes and Triple Red, it's actually a guy called Trippy Red, just in case you think I'm totally out of touch. I'm just out of touch enough to have no idea who Trippy Red is, but enough to know that his name is in fact Trippy Red. Anyway, here's Funeral for a Friend. fitting because next at number 37 we are staging a funeral because at 36 down from 23 in its third week triple eight with give me a reason the reason i say this is a funeral for a friend is because pause for gasps this is the last time we'll ever get to talk about triple eight on this podcast I know, I know. Because this is the last week that they ever appeared in the UK Top 40. So let's hear Give Me A Reason one last time and then we will mourn the loss that is Triple Eight. think we have to celebrate triple eight by looking back at the thing they did best which of course was giving ridiculous quotes to pop magazines for example they told pop world magazine that the group's name came from the most unlikely of sources an airport billboard we went out for dinner one night recalls josh and everybody had paper and pens to write down names we wanted a name with a number in it because it looked strong then we saw 888 on this billboard and after that we started seeing it everywhere we went i mean judging by the way their careers went if they wanted something strong with a number they should have gone for number two <laughs> anyway don't speak ill of the dead i don't think any one of us would say we're songwriters because that comes with practice sparks admits it's the writer's job to write and it's our job to sing and dance we've written songs and thought that was crap for now, we'll just concentrate on the vocals and the performance. That from a man who would end up reaching the lofty songwriting heights of working with Ben Hay now. So clearly, he got to the top of his songwriting game at some point, did Sparks from Triple Eight. Here is another quote from Sparks about buying the CD single of Cheeky Song, brackets, Touch My Bum. Yes, I bought it to give the rest of the guys a laugh. We did a gig with the Cheeky Girls. They do scare me, but good on them. That mother of theirs, apart from being a devil woman, is very, very clever. There's only one thing that we can draw from that final quote is that Triple Eight called the Cheeky Girls' mum, Mama Cheeky, a devil woman, and she put a curse on them to bring their career to an end. So I don't want to mess with the black magic of Mama Cheeky any further. <laughs> So we're going to move on to our first new entry on this week's chart. The first of 12 new entries at 35. Here is Thea Gilmore with Juliet. Brackets, keep that in mind. Angel dust and sweet perfume. 
Gilmore there, who definitely walked so that Katie Tunstall could, well, also walk. Thea Gilmore, by the way, is a British folk singer, and this is her only UK Top 40 hit, which is a shame because I actually would really love to talk about her follow-up song to this, which was called Mainstream, and then it got to number 51. <laughs> the irony. What I love about Mainstream is not the song itself, but the fact that the video was filmed entirely in a virgin megastore. Now, I'm at the point... <laughs> in my life in which even the very idea of physical media and cd shops leaves me misty-eyed so seeing a virgin megastore in all its glory here does make me very happy although in the video she never once puts on the headphones from the listening post so really what was the point of filming in a virgin megastore at all here thea gilmore is making a joke about oh wouldn't it be awful i'm playing in a virgin megastore because i'm selling out you get it and i'm like cut to 2023 i'm like you wish you could sell out in a virgin megastore you try making a music video set entirely on amazon you can't do it can you no for that is not not the song we're talking about, we're talking about Juliet, keep that in mind. A standard bit of British folk, I guess. Although there is one line in this I particularly like, which is, you're spending Saturday alone, drowning heartache out with cheap red wine. Very me culture. Never has a song spoken to me about my life more than that particular line. So Thea Gilmore, 35 there. And at 34, here is Joe Budden with Pump It Up. And at 33, in its sixth week on the chart, Can't Get It Back by Mystique. You should want to cut mine if you agree and want nut. Can't go to get it played late night on BT Uncut. creating a vibe there it's about to come to a juddering halt with our next new entry at number 32 which is stands with when this river rolls over you Liverpool bands in this era singing like they're making George Formby records in the 1940s. Now it's a job that just suits me, a window cleaner you would be if you can see what I can see when I'm cleaning windows. See, what is the difference functionally between stands and that? And also, by the way, which other podcast gives you both George Formby and Beyonce in the same week? 
the range. Anyway, I this nasal Liverpudlian indie scene is so terrible. Anyone who can remember a few weeks ago where we talked about another song from this scene by the Bandits, which had basically exactly the same singing style. I'm just may not be surprised that these two bands used to play at the same gig night in Liverpool. Like, guys, you can sing in a normal way just because you're from Liverpool. I mean, Stan's actually supported the Coral on their tour in 2003. And the only reason I think that the Coral became the main band in this whole scene was that they had the uncanny ability, could you believe it, to sing from their throats rather than from their noses. They didn't have to sing everything like this. And that perhaps explains why the Coral's last single got to number five in the UK top 40. And this is at number 30. So already not a big fan of Stans. Cannot believe that they have another three UK top 40s on this chart. So we're going to have to listen to this a few more times. And if all that wasn't bad enough, the reason that they were able to make so many singles is because this band was championed by Noel Gallagher, which is actually a phrase I say to myself if I want to get rid of an erection fast. So it's really working for me now and talking (laughs) so mean of a boner killer. At 31, here is Delta Goodrum with Lost Without You. I admit that I was wrong. All I is I'm lost without you. I'm not gonna lie. How am I gonna be strong without you? I need you by my side. If we ever said we'd never be together, we'd do with goodbye. So that takes us into our, our top 30. So a quick recap at 40, Junior Senior with Rhythm Bandits, 39, D-Side with Invisible, 38, Buster Rhymes and Mariah Carey with I Know What You Want, 37, Funeral for a Friend with Juno, 36, Triple H's Give Me a Reason, 35, Thea Gilmore's Juliet, keep that in mind, 34, Joe Budden's Pump It Up, 33, Mystique's Can't Get It Back, 32, Stands When This River Rolls Over You, 31, Delta Goodrum Lost Without You, and at 30, our next new entry, Voodoo and Serrano with Overload. Serrano, for me, sounds like it should be a 70s cop show. One's a form of ancient black magic, the other's a type of ham. Together, they're fighting crime, and they're Voodoo and Serrano. You're a loose cannon, Serrano, with no respect for the rules. Voodoo, hand me your gun and badge, you're off the case. You get the idea with that. In reality, Voodoo and Serrano are German trance DJs Tommy Serrano and DJ Voodoo, a.k.a. Reinhardt Wraith, the most Bond villain real name a person has ever had. Their first UK Top 40 was in 2001, when their song Blood Is Pumping got to number 19. (laughs) 
and the singer in Overload by Voodoo and Serrano is a woman simply called Vivian. Being, the thing about being mononymic is it's very well when you're world famous, you're Madonna, you're Cher, you're Prince, or whatever. But if you're just some random dance feature, it makes it very hard for someone to book you for anything, especially if your surname has never actually made it onto the internet. So it's almost impossible to find out who Vivian is, how she met Voodoo and Serrano, and why she felt so overloaded. So if you're out there, Vivian, feel free to email us at the 2000schartshirt@gmail.com. But for now, we know nothing about Vivian. But what we do know is that at 29 this week, in its eighth week on the chart, 50 Cent with 21 questions. Girl, it's easy to love me now. Would you love me if I was down and out? Would you still have love for me? Girl, it's easy to love me now. Would you love me if I was down? And how would you still have love for me? Now would you leave me if you father found out I was thugging? Do you believe me when I tell you you the one I'm loving? Are you mad cause I'm asking you 21 questions? Are you my soulmate? Now eight weeks for a song, pretty good going, but let's compare this 50 Cent song's chart trajectory with that of Inda Club. So at this point, eight weeks in, Inda Club was still at number seven in the charts and it wasn't going to leave the top 10 for another two weeks. So one of those 21 questions that 50 Cent asked definitely wasn't, how do I make a follow-up that's equally as successful as my debut? Talking of debuts, here is at 28, the first single from the All-American Rejects. This is Swing Swing. Swiftly come and go, dreaming of her. She's seeing other guys, emotions stir. The sun is gone, the nights are long. And I am left while the tears fall. Truthing that I would cry on the phone. Do you know what it feels like being alone? At 27, we have Eminem with Business, which is in its fifth week, and also in its fifth week at 26, Javine with Real Things. Chip off the old block, but old Doc is back. Looks like Batman brought his own robin. Oh God, but Don's got his own riding. With his own private plane, his own pilot. Set the blow polish, don't move doors off the hinges. Oranges, beach pears, plums, oranges. Yeah, here I come, my minches. Away from you, damn fear none. Hip hop is in a state of 911, so a little break from us talking about her infamous affair in the 2000s but you can listen to the last few episodes if you want all of the drama there but on this episode we are talking now about our next new entry number 25 this is leo and bushwhacker with this up to you brackets shining through Everything. Tell me what you wanna do. Now, baby, it's up to you. 
time I hear the name Leo and Bushwhacker, I think, oh, that would make a good 70s cop show. And they're Leo and Bushwhacker. You're a loose cannon Bushwhacker with no respect for the rules. Leo, hand me your gun and badge, you're off the case. Oh, we have fun here, don't we? Leo and Bushwhacker actually have a secret weapon that Voodoo and Serrano do not, however, and that is there is an exclamation mark in their name, specifically at the end. We all know what exclamation marks mean. Yes, they're the universal symbol for say the band's name like the X Factor announcer guy. But it is, however, unclear exactly what the exclamation mark means. Does it mean that you say the whole name like Leo and Bushwhacker? Or is it just... The final net word with the exclamation mark that gets it, so it's like Leo and Bushwhacker! Unclear. So I guess it's up to how you feel, but what their parents call them, in contrast, is Leo Pashkin and Matthew Benjamin. Leo Pashkin has a special part to play in the history of London nightlife because he was the founder of the West End nightclub The End, which was where the Scissor Sisters played their first gig, among many other big names. It was also the first home of pop stars, with a Z, the legendary LGBT plus night that was ending just as I arrived in London, and where I accidentally snogged someone once. It was 2011, the song Price Tag by Jessie J was on the sound system, as it was constantly at that time and so when it got to the bit that's like it ain't about the cha-ching cha-ching I was doing a kind of dance that was like kind of a summoning fingers kind of thing because that kind of felt like the sort of thing you should do when you're talking about money in a song and someone misconstrued that as me kind of beckoning them over before I had time to explain my that they were in error that we were snogging and then they asked me oh do you want to go outside and have a chat and I said to them No, I'm kind of having fun dancing. Would it shock you to learn that I wasn't particularly romantically successful in my uh, first year at university based on my total and utter stupidity in all matters of talking to anyone, really? Anyway, unfortunately, the end is no more. They briefly tried to reopen it as a nightclub called The Den, which was the subject of one of my favourite lines of Wikipedia. It says, The Den itself subsequently closed in July 2012 when its licence was revoked by a magistrate's court following a series of complaints and reports of shooting, stabbings and drug dealing. Ugh, killjoys. A article on Guest List gives us more information on what was happening at The Den. Drug taking slash dealing, violence, robberies, continual disturbance to local residents from customers shouting, mini cabs operating at all hours, congestion, urination in public places, underage drinking, and a member of staff having sex with a drunken 18-year-old behind the bar are some of the rumoured reasons that had brought down this venue. Is that it? Pretty standard night out for us in 2012, really. Anyway, the end is no more. Leo and Bushwhacker, I think, are no more. But someone who unfortunately continues, though luckily now in prison at 24, is R. Kelly with Ignition Remix. And at 23, down from 13 last week, Lisa Mafia's unfortunate follow-up to All Over, This Is In Love. us out of the top 20 now are at 22 down from 15 in its fifth week pink with feel good time and 21 down from 14 in its eighth week the fast food rockers with fast food song 
single makes me think that we briefly need to pay tribute to DJ Casper who died the week that we're recording this. May he have gone to the great novelty dance in the sky. Let's all give one final one hop this time. One hop this time for a legend of holiday camp evenings everywhere. Thank you for everything you did for us, DJ Casper. And thank you to everyone who was in the 20s of this week's UK Top 40 20 years ago. At 29, 50 Cent with 21 Questions. 28, All American Rejects is Swing Swing. 27, Eminem's Business. 26, Javine's Real Things. 25, Leia and Bushwhacker. It's up to you, Shining Through. 24, Ignition Remix by R. Kelly. 23, Lisa Matthew with In Love. 22, Pink with Feel Good Time. 21, Fast Food Rockers with Fast Food Song. And at 20, a new entry for Kelly Rowland with Train on a Track. We can bring the rain with a lovely breeze with such harmony. Train on a track, like steps inside a wheel. Involuntary If Kelly Rowland's career was a train on the track, then this was the song that derailed it. Which is a shame, really, because it is quite a sweet song. Not necessarily right for Kelly Rowland, but a pleasant Magic FM ready tune. I particularly like the lyrics of the chorus like a train on a track like spokes inside a wheel in voluntary motion like rolling downhill it officially makes it part of one of my favorite subgenres which is love songs that mention types of motion they may be the only two <laughs> Songs in that subgenre, but I like it nonetheless. And critics seem to agree with me. According to the Wikipedia, that the song's musical composition, as well as Roland's harmonies and the poetic wordplay of its lyrics, positively surprise critics. It's a bit damning with faint praise, isn't it? The subtext of that seems to be like, well, we're expecting you to release a literal pile of shite. So the fact that this doesn't make us literally want to claw our eyes out is a win for you. But unfortunately, the audience was not with the critics. Kelly's first single, Dilemma, of course, got to number one. Her second, Stole, number two. Can't Nobody got to number five around the start of this podcast. And this is now at number 20. And if that wasn't bad enough on itself, there's the fact that 
on this chart, it's 10 places behind Crazy in Love by her former bandmate, even though that song has been out for six whole weeks. And that really has got a sting, especially because the famous thing about Beyonce and Kelly Rowland's solo careers is that Dilemma did so well that they rushed released the album, whereas Beyonce, her album was delayed. So the fact that they tried to get Kelly Rowland's album out so early that it didn't have time to really quality control it, whereas Beyonce took her time and got a UK number one single, that's tough. Especially because there's some major talent behind Train on the Track. It was produced and written by Rob Fusari, who had previously worked with Kelly Rowland on Bootylicious by Destiny's Child, and who would go on to do most of the fame by Lady Gaga. The thing about Bootylicious and the songs he did for the fame, like Beautiful Dirty Rich, is they are the perfect pairing of singer and song, and that is, I think, what fails him with Train on a Track. He said in an interview that it has more of a folk-slash-acoustic sound, more in the vein of Natalie and Brulia than pure R&B. The fact that he thought that anyone wanted Kelly Rowland's take on Natalie and Brulia is quite the swing. Do you think, had they actually given the time that they needed to make Kelly Rowland's album, they would have realised that this was a very weird fit for her, and it probably wouldn't have even made the album, let alone the singles. But luckily, it didn't kill off Kelly Rowland's career, but she would not have another top five hit for four years after this song, so they really had to regroup and actually, this time, take some time and work out what Kelly Rowland's thing was going to be. And the answer they would come to, obviously, was dance featured vocalist, because in 2009, she would, of course, have another number one single with When Love Takes Over. Look forward to talking about that in, oh God, 2029. I just turned to a skeleton right in front of your ears there. So Kelly Rowland disappointed at number 20, but at number 19, a new entry for a band that was probably very pleased with their placement at number 19. Here is Elbow with Fallen Angel. Angel at this point Elbow's joint highest entry in the UK top 40 at number 19 and the third of eight times that Elbow would get a top 40 hit. Of those they had one top 10 hit in which I'll pause for you to guess at home what it was. Yes that's right it was one day like this in June 2008. Sorry, that got a little bit Dora the Explorer there didn't it? Uh, Maybe a bit condescending. Do you see Matt? But honestly, what else fun is there to say about Elbow? So you might as well do a bit of a quiz. Like, literally, what else is there to say? Their name is nearly an anagram of Wobble. Hardly the stuff of riveting podcasting, is it? Let me try and think of some more facts about Elbow. Uh, They're named after my fourth least favourite body part. In case you're wondering, spleen, Adam's apple and large intestine. In case you're wondering where their name comes from, here's an actual fact about them. Their name was inspired by a line in the BBC TV drama The Singing Detective, in which the character Philip Marlowe describes the word elbow as the loveliest word in the English language. 
No disrespect to Philip Marlowe and the Singing Detective, an excellent piece of TV drama, but had he heard the word kumquat? Don't think so. Okay, so here is, on the Door of the Explorer audience participation kick, here's a fun game for you. So I'm going to tell you three facts, and two of them are about the band elbow, and one of them is about the body part of the elbow. So can you tell which one is which? Okay, so fact number one. Elbow won the Mercury Prize for Music in 2008. Fact two, Elbow won the Brit Award for Best British Group in 2009, beating Girls Aloud in one of the world's great injustices. And number three, Elbow requires three bones to make their simple hinging action possible, the humerus, the radius and the ulna. Can you guess which one of those was about the body part of the elbow? Of course. Of course, everybody out there knows the answer. The body part of the elbow won the Mercury Prize in 2008. Very well deserved. Speaking of the Mercury Prize, by the way, the next act in our chart was nominated for the prize in 1999. Yes, here is At 18, down from 11 in its third week, Maybe Tomorrow by the Stereophonics. So maybe tomorrow I find my way Those of you who loved Enemy's 10 anagrams for Stereophonics last week will be pleased to know that they also gave us 10 more anagrams for the name of the band Stereophonics. So if you loved One Shit Corpse, To Piss on Cheer or Oh No Erect Piss, you will also want to know that Stereophonics is an anagram for Once Hip Tosser, Shit Poor Scene, Saws Hip Ponce, Posh Erections, can't believe they kept that to the second list, that's gold, It Senses Hope, Step on heroics, it sheep's croon, porn sites echo, poses to enrich, and the porcine SOS. Great reportage there from the New Musical Express. And how can I follow that up with anything of my own? I can't, so I will move on and take you to number 17, Deepest Blue by Deepest Blue. Number 16, down from 7 last week, this is Koshin with All In My Head. had some fascinating facts about Koshin to share in their big book of 2003. Specifically, they told us Koshin's top 10 curries. Yes. Number 10, Curry Goat, my personal favourite before my vegetarian days. Nine, Kang Pod. Number eight, Lamb Booner, another classic of mine. Seven, Chicken Massamam. Never been able to get over the potatoes in it. Number six, Duck Penang. Love anything with duck in it. Number five, Chicken Pool. Number four, Prawn Sag Gosht. Number three, Madras. 
Number two, Vindaloo. Oh, they like it hot, Takoshin. And at number one of Koshin's top ten curries, according to NME, is Kang Kiwan, which is, to those of you not up on the Thai names for curries, is a Thai green curry with chicken. So good for Koshin there. Good tasting curries, although I'm more of a red curry girl. It's probably why me and Koshin will never get along. And from Thai food, we move into Spanish food, or look, the song's called Spanish, okay? I was nearly there with that link. Just let it pass. Spanish, <laughs> number 15, down form. Number eight for Craig David. In fresh from out of town, just breezed in, so I thought I'd take a look around and find a party with the vibes right. Talking maybe me the honey to come home tonight. So shades on, tops off the whip. Taking in the sights as I cruise the strip As I pull up to a red light I see this pretty little shorty in my headlights This girl looks half black and half oriental Man, this chick's got class and style I'd like to ask her for her credentials Name a guest numbers to dial She plays tough Lunes, la leve a tomar una copa el martes Establamos haciendo el amor en miércoles Y el jueves y el viernes y el sábado no Relajamos el domingo conoci a esta chica el lunes. Any Hispanophiles out there will know that is the Spanish lyrics for Seven Days by Craig David. Monday, took her for a drink on Tuesday. We were making love by Wednesday. And on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, we chilled on Sunday. Not as I thought it was, child on Sunday. So there you go. If you've learnt nothing else this week, it is the Spanish lyrics to Craig David's Seven Days. Inform, educate and entertain here at the 2000s chart show. And the next thing I'm going to inform, educate and entertain you about is our number 14 new entry. This is Can't Let You Go by Fabulous. Keep coming home in the middle of the night. It'll be alright. If you bump heads, it'll be a fight. But I said it'll be alright. I really want to be with you. I want to be real with you. I can't leave you I say it like that because it's fabulous, F-A-B-O-L-O-U-S. And this song, the female vocals there, were from Lil Mo. There was a YouTube comment that read, Lil Mo killed this chorus, she is a very talented woman. Who knew that Fabulous was such an EastEnders fan? I'm so glad that Lil Mo got a break from being abused by Trevor to record an R&B song. Now, of course, this is not Mo Slater from 2000s era EastEnders, but Cynthia Karen Loving, aka Lil Mo, a protege of Missy Elliott. Fabulous, meanwhile, is John David Jackson with the first and highest charting of his four UK top 40s. This song, by the fact that it's very tepid R&B, means it's perfect for the US market. Can't let you go getting to number four, one of Fabulous's nine Billboard top 40s, including four top 10 hits. The Wikipedia description of the music video. So the music video starts with Fabulous crawling back into bed in the morning with one twin sister after spending the night with the other twin. Incidentally, that's a recurring dream I have about Jedward. Funny how these things parallel each other. That isn't the only interesting thing from his Wikipedia. There's this. In the morning of October 17th, 2006, Fabulous was shot once near his leg after exiting Justin's, a restaurant owned by Sean Diddy Combs in Manhattan. I'm sorry, what? Near his leg? Near his leg? What a weird phrase. The link that it cited is dead, so we'll never know exactly what near his leg means. You know, if it hit your knee, it hit your knee. It didn't hit near your leg. I think the only thing that we can assume from that quote is that he didn't want to know that his dick was shot off 
And so he told people that he got shot, quote, near his leg. We all know the truth, Fabulous. Of course, they make fun of him here. And I think we're right to because there is some genuine darkness in Fabulous's life nowadays. This is per the Black Atlanta Star. After a 2018 incident, Fabulous was charged with one count of domestic violence with significant bodily injury, two counts of threatening to kill, plus one count of possession of a weapon, and he could have been sentenced to 20 years on hold with convictions of all those charges, but he accepted a plea deal. This is all part of his very troubling relationship with his girlfriend. It began when New Jersey police said he knocked out her front teeth after punching her seven times. It was also said that Emily was scared because Fabulous had two guns in their house at the time, and so she called her father to help remove them. Once her dad arrived, he and the rapper got into it as well. A bit after Fabulous turned himself in, a video surfaced that showed him angrily lunging towards the mother of his children and threatening her father with a pair of scissors. But everyone settled their differences shortly after and Emily's dad was even willing to testify on Fab's behalf. Plus, it seems Emily and Fab patched things up a short time after the argument because she was quickly posting Instagram photos with him and they've since had another child. Don't really know what to make of that. I just thought it was interesting enough to tell you, but bleak, really. Of course, the can't let you go lyrics do predict this in some way. The first line reads, Baby girl, you know my situation and sometimes I know you get impatient, but you didn't put on a show to get invasions. Take it to court and go through litigations. Except she had to, Fabulous, because you knocked her teeth out. So... Not great stuff there. Just because you got your dick shot off, mate, you can't take that out on other people. So that's kind of brought things to a bit of a downer. So I'm going to bring you to life with Evanescence with Bring Me to Life at number 13. more songs now and then we are in to the top 10 singles from this time 20 years ago so at 12 here's xtm and dj chucky featuring ania with fly on the wings of love Benny Benassi featuring the beers Satisfaction And then just touch me Till I can get my Satisfaction Push me And then just touch me Till I can get my Satisfaction Satisfaction Quick recap of the teens before we head into that all-important top 10. At 20, Train on the Track by Kelly Rowland. 19, Fallen Angel by Elbow. 18, Stereophonics Maybe Tomorrow. 17, Deepest Blue by Deepest Blue. 16, Koshin's All In My Head. 15, Spanish by Craig David. 14, Can't Let You Go by Fabulous. 13, Bring Me To Life by Evanescence. XTM and DJ Chucky are at 12 with Fly On The Wings Of Love. Benny Benassi and The Biz with Satisfaction are at number 11. And at number 10, here is another former number one single, down from five last week, Crazy in Love by Beyonce. Oh, no one else came. Come and look at some crazy right now. Your love's coming and look at some crazy right now. 
Beyonce may be at number 10 this week with Crazy in Love and it may have got to number one in the past. But where did it place on another very important chart? The top 10 highest selling ringtones of 2003. Yes, over the last few weeks we have become obsessed with ringtones and now I have found an original source from the time that reveals the top 10 highest selling ringtones in the UK. How well does Beyonce's Crazy in Love do? Well, let's count them down and hear some truly horrendous monophonic versions of all the great sets of 2003 at 10 Pretty Green Eyes by Ultra Beat. That song is in our own top 10 singles chart this week. You have to keep listening to find out how far up that chart it got at number 9 Get Busy by Sean Paul, which basically, because it's exactly the same beat, also means that technically Luma D's Never Leave You and Wayne Wonders No Letting Go are also at number nine. Number eight. Black Eyed Peas Where Is The Love one of the highest selling singles of 2003 still to come on this chart i think we're getting it maybe next week it makes its way onto the uk top 40 but it's only at number eight on this chart at number seven the simpsons theme at number six Clocks by Coldplay, number five. Tubular Bells, the theme tune to The Exorcist. At number four, it's just left the UK Top 40 this week, but it's on this chart. It's Inder Club by 50 Cent. At number three, we can never escape it. It's Ignition Remix by R. Kelly. At number two, you've just heard it. It's Flower in the Wings of Love with XTM. And that means that Beyonce was the highest selling ringtone of 2003. So congratulations to her. And I'm looking here and, oh no, Train on the Track didn't make the list. Crazy. So there we go. Congratulations, Beyonce. But you were beaten on this week's single chart by our number nine, a new entry for Jason Nevins with I'm in Heaven. it's not just Jason Nevins the full title of the artist here is Jason Nevins presents UKNY featuring Holly James we've had a few presents over the course of this podcast XCM and DJ Chucky presents Anya most famously but every time 
It makes me think that they're being introduced at a Regency ball in the 19th century. Assorted, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord Jason Nevins Esquire would like to present for your for your perusal and approval of UKNY and a lovely young maiden, Mademoiselle Holly James. Who is Holly James? You may very well wonder. Well, the answer is she is a former member of truly flop girl band of the early 2000s times four t-y-m-e-s four of course couldn't spell anything properly in the early 2000s it wasn't cool you know but here she is trying to make it on her own and in doing that she released a bio that is now inherently quite tragic because it speaks to a lot of uh, mispotential so this is the official bio for holly james so it begins the voice of an angel in the face of a star which unfortunately always makes me think of the Catherine tate description of charlotte church Voice of an angel, liver of a wino. At the tender age of 21, Holly James already has her foot firmly in the door of the music industry. She's already had two top 40 hits as part of girl group Times 4, performed across the UK, co-written tracks for an album, and been asked to produce the vocal for one of dance music's most respected producers. Not bad for a girl who three years ago was serving behind the counter at McDonald's. Born to the airy shores of Dorset... It wasn't long before she moved to South London. As a teenager, Holly discovered her own musical heroes and was addicted to the sounds of Beverly Knight and Mariah Carey, two of her biggest musical influences. Beverly Knight, ecstatic there to be talked about alongside Mariah Carey. With her love of music and glaringly obvious talent in song and dance, Holly was soon enrolled in the Erdang Academy, which is a London ballet school, where she began training for a life on the stage. A consummate ballerina and talented singer, she remained here until she was 17. With unwavering ambition, she began to realise the need to be in the right place. And so she began to assert her reputation and exceptional talent among the right people in the right places at the right time. Honestly, this the amount of times that this bio is talking about how incredibly talented she is, is kind of having the opposite effect to me. It's like overcompensating for something. Anyway, before long, she was a familiar face on the London party scene, rubbing shoulders and making friends with the like of So Solid Crew, Blue, and a plethora of industry faces. A few questions there. What party were Blue and So Solid Crew at at the same time? And also, here's a tip to the person who wrote this, which I can only assume is her mother. There's a rule of three. So if you can only name two celebrity groups, it makes it seem like they're the only two that you've ever met. Because, or else you would say, So Solid Crew, Blue... And Natalie Cassidy, for example. So in doing that, you've made me think you only really went to one party one time that Blue and So Solid Crew happened to be at, okay? Just a little punch up for you there. It was also at this time that she met Melissa, Tamer, and Natalie, with whom she formed Times 4. As times went on, though Holly loved being in a band, it became increasingly apparent that she had her own dreams to pursue as a solo artist. So in an amicable split with Times 4, she left the band to fulfil her dream in a solo career. This is where Jason Nevins enters the picture. Holly decided to head stateside to invest in some quality studio time. It was here that a chance meeting with legendary dance producer Jason Nevins would determine the next step in her career. Unknown to her, Nevins was in the adjacent studio working on new material, including Heaven, which features Michael Jackson's Human Nature sample, as used by SWV on Right Here, which, which reached number three in the UK chart in 1993. Odd to pad out with details of what position a song that uses the same sample as the song you're on got 
especially because that song charted higher than your one did. Anyway, so impressed was he with her voice that he instructed his management to arrange a meeting with the young Holly. He was so convinced by her talent and what she could bring to the project that after the meeting, Jason personally asked her to guest vocal on his forthcoming track and be the figurehead for the project. This was an opportunity she could not turn down, so she accepted the project with relish. The result was one of the most infectious dance records of 2003. The record looks set to be a huge crossover hit and a fantastic starting point for Holly as a solo artist. Few who have heard her sing deny that this girl has an incredible bright future ahead of her. This project will see her propelled into the public eye as she begins to stamp her mark on the world. Of course I don't need to tell you that none of that happened and she never ever got near the top 40 ever again unfortunately. It's very weird to read this bio that's full of potential. This girl who thinks she's gonna have an incredibly bright career that just doesn't pan out. But that's it's representative of this whole chart and kind of this whole podcast really. Probably 60% of the people who we are working with in these top 40s are a Holly James. They're stage school kids who are talented enough to get a few opportunities, but they've never had the quite the right luck or the right timing or the kind of right X factor to make a full career of it. And certainly, in this case, Jason Nevins, I don't think, helps Holly James particularly. She seemed to be very excited to be working with him, but I don't know if the if that worked mutually, because the star of this song remains the Michael Jackson sample. Don't come out of this thinking, that Holly James is a firecracker. And, th- and also, let's be honest, Jason Nevins is a hack. Holly James's bio may have called him a legendary dance producer, but the only thing he could really do was to just take other people's songs and kind of give them a bit of a modern dance sheen. He managed to get a number one doing that with It's Like That, his collaboration with Run DMC in 1998. And then he, after that, he only ever had another one more UK Top 40 hit, which was his version of Insane in the Membrane, which was just doing exactly the same thing with the Cypress Hill song. Hardly the creative genius that Holly James needed to steer her career at this point, in my opinion. Although you could say this is just bitterness because the thing about It's Like That is that it is the song that broke the Spice Girls' number one singles record because it was the song that, when it was at number one, kept stop at number two, which obviously makes Jason Evans an enemy of the podcast. Interesting Going back to her bio, it's the line Jason Nevins asked her to guest vocal on his forthcoming track and be the figurehead for the project. What that basically meant was he wanted her to not only be the singer of the project, but also kind of the video ho of the piece. They, on top of the pops, they she performs this track in her finest 2003 era look. He, it gives you a sense of it. So her and her set of backing dancers are wearing high heels, which have the shape of a kitten heel, but are designed to look like trainers so it's kind of sports casual slut is kind of the look which is not a bad look but it probably made it difficult to differentiate holly james with any of the other scantily clad dancers for dance music projects in fact pretty green eyes was performed on the same top of the pops and has basically identically dressed female backing dancers because that's basically what dance acts did at this time if they had to perform at top of the pops you just have the djs who are always the most anonymous men in the world and then a lot of women in short skirts. But this, in many ways, the Holly Jameses of the world are, I guess, not more fascinating than the megastars, but certainly I'm very fascinated by this idea of when a career doesn't ever quite get off the ground. So this, she's a perfect example for that. And I hope she's doing something great and exciting now and that she's found happiness not in the public eye. And I certainly hope that she has become less weird than our number eight in the chart this week, down from four, a former number one for Daniel Beddingfield, with never gonna leave your side. Like a breath without the end. And every day is the same since you've gone away. 
have we got left? A we have two Take That members in the top seven between Robbie Williams, whose song Something Beautiful came out last week, and Mark Owen, whose four minute warning is his first song after winning Celebrity Big Brother in late 2002. One of these interesting cases, and I think this is the second time we've seen it, of of people who were in a band together releasing songs within a week of each other. You can clearly tell that they were originally, maybe this is just me doing fan fiction, but that they were originally scheduled to be the same week, and then someone freaked out because they didn't want it to be a quote-unquote chart battle, and so they have pushed the one they thought would be less successful to the second week. We had that with Emma Bunton and Melanie C with Free Men on the Horizon. And this week we have it with Mark Owen and Robbie Williams. Let's see which one of those does better when we get there. But also we have new entries from the Cheeky Girls celebrating a cheeky holiday. We have the aforementioned Pretty Green Eyes by Ultra Beat. And we have the solo debut of Pharrell Williams with Frontin. And at number seven is one of those songs we have just mentioned. Here is Robbie Williams with Something Beautiful. As in, that's the name of the song. That's not a review. If you can't wake up in the morning Cause your bed lies speaking at night If you're lost, hurt, tired or lonely Can't control it, try as you Robbie Williams there at number seven, which means that Mark Owen has beaten Robbie Williams in the second week of the chart. But that's the lowest bar to jump over, I guess, even though famously Melanie C didn't manage it when she released her song a week later. So we have to give Mark some credit for that. And we have to give Pharrell Williams some credit for getting to number six this week. This is a new entry for him featuring Jay-Z with Frontin. We touched then we like eyes. I knew I wasn't there and I was going to tear your ass up. Your ass I know up. that I'm carrying on, never mind if I'm showing off. I was just front. You know I want you, babe. I'm ready to bet it all unless you This is the first single for Pharrell Williams as a solo artist, though he'd obviously had a lot of success as a producer in the years leading up to this. Here's something that I was staggered by in looking up Pharrell Williams. His his first production credit was in 1992, when he was 19. I also found it a little bit stunning. This is one of these passing of time things. That means that Pharrell Williams is 50, which didn't quite sit well with me, but it is nevertheless true. Of course, he did, his career did, however, take off mostly in the late 90s and early 2000s. In the years prior to releasing Frontin, he'd done such legendary songs as Caught Out There by Khalees, I'm a Slave for You by Britney, Hella Good by No Doubt, Hot in Here by Nelly, Work It Out by Beyonce, and Like I Love You and Rock Your Body by Justin Timberlake. And in fact, in August 2003, so around the time that we're talking about on this week's podcast, a survey of British radio found that that nearly 20% of tracks played were Neptune's production. So that's, of course, his production duo with Chad Hugo. They were responsible for one in five songs played in British radio in 2003, which is crazy. And this may explain why, at the time, he said that Frontin was a one-off single because he considered himself to be a producer and not a solo performer, although he was, of course, releasing songs as N.E.R.D. at this point. And obviously, as we know, now looking forward, he did stick to that, and he never released another solo song. 
which I think is great because I think if he did have a solo career, I'm just kind of speculating here about what would happen, but I think he'd end up releasing a song for some sort of kids movie, maybe Minions or something, and it would be absolutely fucking everywhere for like two years and it would make me want to do criminal damage, whatever venue it was played, because actually, guess what? I was happy uh, before you played this hypothetical song that Pharrell Williams may have done. And now I want to commit arson because you've played it four times in a row. So yeah, good thing that he never did another song because it would have been one of the worst songs ever written. And don't even get me started on a song called Blurred Lines that he could have done had he had a solo career, which he didn't. This song was only, in fact, performed by Pharrell Williams because it was turned down by Prince. He told Clash magazine, All of my biggest songs were songs that I did with or for other people. Collaboration has always been part of my DNA. And to be clear and to be honest, songs that I ended up putting out by myself were always songs that I wrote for other people. I made fronting for Prince... And even Happy, I wrote that for CeeLo Green. Everything you hear about Prince is more confusing than the last thing you hear about him. I'm like, oh, you don't want to sing Fronted, but you will be friends with Rita Aurora. Like, where is the taste level? So let's talk about Pharrell in 2003, around this time. A very weird detail from the interview he did with The Guardian at the time, in which he has a very strange encounter with a MTV production manager. So there's a 20-minute break between Raw and TRL, a live MTV show that resembles a hip-hop CD UK, all whooping and hollering a nanosecond conversation between VJ and artist. Pharrell takes the opportunity before it starts to chat up female members of staff. Are you a sister? He asks an Asian girl. Whose sister? She answers quick as a flash. He playfully pinches her arm. She asks him to sign first a skateboard, an MTV competition prize, then a 12-inch single of in. Williams' mood changes. You bring me one more thing to sign and I'm gonna... He thinks for a moment. Tear it up and turn it into a paper aeroplane. The MTV girl seems upset. You're rude, she says. You're so rude, I'm going to tell the press how rude you are. Williams doesn't like the sound of this one bit. If you do, he says thinking aloud, I will come to your house and put your cat in a bag, put in three mice and zip it up. He looks pleased. His new friend doesn't. I don't have a cat, she says, disappearing with her clipboard. Was that how people flirted in 2003? Maybe. I know it was a meaner time, so maybe people did just flirt with each other by threatening violence. Can't remember. I wasn't. I was 10 at the time. My flirting days hadn't really begun. But if you two are around my age, speaking of the song Frontin, you probably remember less the Pharrell version and more the Jamie Cullum version, which he did once on Radio Live Lounge and then seemed to endlessly play on every single TV show, maybe in the entire world. I just have a very strong image of Jamie Cullum's smug lesbian Nora Jones face hitting his piano like he always did and singing Frontin. And from that day, I've had very elaborate fantasies that one day the pianos will get their own back on Jamie Cullum and start hitting him. So your day is coming, Jamie. Anyway, (laughs) at number five, moving on from that, last week's number two in its second week, here is Illumidy with Never Leave You. into our top five and at number four is a new entry for mr mark owen with four minute warning man i'll see you when i see you holly is said to be the next big thing in a high heel boots and a two inch earrings heart of glass blonde sings in her ear you're a rock queen honey and Is this the end then? 
seems to have been a lot of promotion put into this song because Mark Owen was being interviewed two weeks ago on Top of the Pops. A particularly awkward interview looking back now because it's the one in which he says that Take That will absolutely never reform. question that I want to ask you is, will Take That ever reform? Will you ever do like a reunion gig, do you reckon? I don't really think so, to be honest. Um, because we're all getting a bit too old now to do the old dance moves and stuff. So. Oh, Con, you can all still give it a bit of that. No, well, <laughs> I could try. I do try, but then I need to sit down for about four days afterwards. Obviously, it makes sense that he says that Take That will never reform while he's trying to make it as a solo artist. It's a bit like going to someone's wedding and being like, so, do you think you'll ever get back with your ex? Kind of rude. But if only Mark Owen had a crystal ball because he is less than two years away from reforming a Take That, and then he'll seemingly never be able to leave them. At this point, however, he's seven years on from breaking up with Take That. They split up in 2006. In the press conference where they split up, Mark said, we do care an awful lot about the fans and we hope the fans will understand. We feel we have done all we can as Take that so a classic we think we've run creatively dry that's a thing a lot of people say when they split up but it seems that the main reason that they split up this has come out later was because of the band basically robbie leaving created a wedge in the group that then kind of split them apart Robbie Williams has said a lot that he didn't like Gary Barlow constantly rejecting his ideas which led him to drink and kind of act out then he realised that the band was quite toxic for him and honestly I think I'd be driven to drink too if I had weird interesting ideas like Robbie has all the time and then I'd have to take them to Gary Barlow and he'd be like no what we're going to do is another mid-tempo ballad that's just me on the piano and then you guys doing backing vocals that'd be good wouldn't it meanwhile I'm, I've am i got like let me entertain you in my head and I'm like uh-huh Robbie was so sick of Take That in the end that he said that he had to pay 1.5 million pounds to leave the band but then was thrown out anyway before the date where he wanted to leave asked in a recent interview whether he was sacked from the band if it was his decision to leave this was on radio 4 he said it was a bit of both at the time i was drinking very heavily and very young i said to the boys this will be my last tour we went for a curry the night before everything happened and we were taking a competition winner for a curry i went back to the hotel and got drunk again got up the next day went into rehearsals and i wasn't in a very good way during the afternoon jason orange said bob we need to sit you down and have a chat so you're going to leave after this tour and what we've decided is we think it's best for you to go now so we can prove we can do this as a four piece. What do you think? That was the opening of the door. That's all I needed. So then, of course, after Robbie left, they all had various attempts at a solo career. Robbie Williams became the biggest star in British music, whereas Gary Barlow's solo career fizzled out after six singles. Although, to his credit, he did get two number ones, one of which, fun trivia fact, was written by Madonna. Love Won't Wait, his second UK number one. But he was dropped from his leg after six singles. Whereas Mark Owen also tried to have a solo career. In fact, he was the first Take That member to release a solo single, which was called Child. It came out in 1996 and went to number three, as did his second single, Clementine. But then his third single got to number 29 and he was dropped from his record label in 1997. Since then, in 2002, he won... Celebrity Big Brother, the second season of it, receiving 77% of the public vote in the final. So clearly the kind of popular appeal that you can launch a bit of a career off. 
he talks about this in an, this week's issue of Smash Hits 20 years ago. He said, when I was asked to go on Celebrity Big Brother last year, I thought, no way. But then I decided I'd lock myself away for too long. I'm glad I did the show, but there's no way I could do it for 10 weeks. I was shocked by the attention I got when I left. So I decided to come back and face the cameras again. Previously, he'd said of going alone. After Take That Split, I went straight into the studio and recorded a solo album. The whirlwind kind of continued for me. I just didn't stop. I wrote some guitar-based songs and I had a couple of top five singles. I was so proud I'd written some of them. When the album was released, I sat down and was shattered. I realised that I didn't want to do it anymore. Did you decide you didn't want to do it anymore or were you dropped by your record label, Mark? There's a little bit of revisionist history there. But now he is back with his song Four Minute Warning. He says of this, everything's going really well now. I'm happy and you can see that. I've always hoped things would happen again but didn't think they would. There's a saying, you're only as good as your last record and it's true. I feel like a new start for me, not a comeback. I hope it works. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. At least I've had fun. Yes, you are only as good as your last single, Mark. (laughs) And unfortunately, your next single is going to go to 26 and you're going to be dropped from your record label again. Perhaps explaining why that take that reunion that you said was never going to happen happens very soon. And to be fair, it worked, you know, it worked out for him. But we can, of course, talk about the take that reunion when it happens. Not a moment too soon. Any day where I don't have to talk about Gary Barlow is a good day. So I'm going to push that until the very last moment that I have to. And move on to our number three. So still to come, we have new entries from Ultra Beat, The Cheeky Girls, and we'll find out whether Blue Cantrell has managed to hold on to the number one spot for another week. Which of those is at number three? Well, it is this song. Stretch and feel the sand and sea. In the rhythm of the waves, what we hear. That's right, the Cheeky Girls there with Hooray Hooray, It's a Cheeky Holiday. Of course, a cover of the Boney M song, Hooray Hooray, It's a Holly Holiday, but changing Holly to Cheeky. Brilliant. What a great idea. They really should have done this for more songs, to be honest. They could have done a whole album of songs where they just replaced random words with Cheeky. I see it for them, you know. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, cheeky cheeky. Works, you know, you could do a whole album of those. So I'd love to talk about Hooray Hooray It's a Cheeky Holiday, but unfortunately my experience of this song has rather been ruined this week by watching them on top of the pops in which they decide to do a bit where they're interviewing the cheeky guys in a star bar and Edith Bowman decides they're too thin so then says I want to make sure you're eating and puts burger and chips in front of them and basically just sits there until they eat some of it I have to say I'm a little bit worried about you because the two of you are very thin you're very very skinny I'm a bit concerned that you're not eating enough so I've got you some food not true actually I'd quite like you to dive into these and get these down you if that wasn't already enough to make this feel a bit cringe there is the fact that we now know that the cheeky girls and content warning here we're about to talk about eating disorders were suffering from anorexia during their entire time as pop stars so in a the guardian piece where they were talking about how they made cheeky song touch my bum an incredible piece that you should really read for yourselves the year after the song came out was crazy it doesn't actually it says here irimia said which is their last name so quite exactly who's talking here i'm not sure but one of the two we won an award at the national music awards and went to the philippines thailand japan and malaysia it took 
took over our lives. We didn't have time for anything and we had no friends. We were lonely, even though we were out there performing for 100,000 people at the time. We lost control, so we started to obsess over what we ate in the gym. We became, anore- became anorexic. They talked about this quite a lot over a series of interviews. They told loose women, being in a bubble, we tried to hide a lot from other people. We'd wear unflattering clothes, letting everyone believe we were actually eating. Another one of them told the male, I started to see myself as fat. I wanted my stomach to be flat like hers, so they were basically what's happened there is they're basically comparing their bodies to each other and that's kind of making them go further and further into their eating disorder we were still eating healthy food albeit in tiny portions in the end i would feel full with a small amount because my stomach had shrunk i caught up with monica quickly and then monica says we knew we had a big problem but although we didn't coerce one another into not eating we knew we would cover up for the other if necessary once anorexic you always have an awareness of what you are eating but now we can control this so it doesn't control us we don't want vulnerable young women to make the same mistakes that we did they say that their eating disorder went on for four years so from the release of the cheeky song which is in late 2002 to the basically to the end of their pop career in 2006 after about four years i decided this is it i'm not going to stay between four walls drinking only soft drinks we just didn't want to go out because canapes would be served or anything like that we would drink diet soft drinks all day and basically have a mushroom for lunch yeah fame really awful this i, I yeah i love i have a soft spot for the cheeky girls and reading about all the horrible things that they went through but when they were supposed to just be kind of a silly fun novelty act is really horrible and it's just the general culture was all about how thin they were, which kind of makes it all worse. They did the you you can run but you can't hide segment in Smash Hits, which featured questions like, do you find it difficult to hug other bony people? And do you ever just stuff your face? So there's just a general culture of pointing out how thin the cheeky girls were. And it seemed that that it just created a awful spiral, basically. And if that wasn't hard enough, there's also the fact that last week we talked about the record label Telstar going bust, which brought the career of Maria Wilson to an end, and also Mystique, more, let's be honest, importantly. And the Cheeky Girl said they were owed a million pounds from Telstar when they went bankrupt, and they had to then spend two years working to pay off the debts that they've been left with by their label going bankrupt. So poor Cheeky Girls, hopefully we'll have some more fun stuff to talk about them in the coming weeks. But I'm glad that they're doing well now, both working in, last time they did an interview in selling cars and seem to be both very happy. So I'm very glad for them. And they are at number three this week. Before we get to number two and reveal our, this week's number one, let's do a recap of the entire top 10. At 10, Crazy in Love by Beyonce. Nine, Jason Nevins and Holly James with I'm in Heaven. Eight, Daniel Bedfield, Never Gonna Leave Your Side. Seven, Robbie Williams, Something Beautiful. Six, Pharrell Williams, Frontin. Five, Lumidy, Never Leave You. Four, Mark Owen's Four Minute Warning. Three, Cheeky Girls, Hooray, Hooray, It's a Cheeky Holiday. And at number two, we have Ultra Beat with Pretty Green Eyes, which means that Blue Cantrell has made it to a second week at number one with her song Breathe. We're going to listen to that very shortly, but now let's hear Pretty Green Eyes by Ultra Beat. You never have to be alone Pretty green eyes So follow what the rent is It's alright to cry For I'll be there to wipe your tears Add this to the list of songs that you didn't know were covers because this is a cover of a 1997 hardcore song oh, Let's hear a little bit of that You never have to be alone A 
again. We did say, I think a few weeks ago, that it took a special sort of unoriginality to do a dance cover of a dance song, but they are a strong and continuous bit of the chart. And none more so than this number two hit here from Ultrabeat, who are a British electronic dance music group from Liverpool, part of the so-called Scouse House scene. They were formed in 2002. They originally consisted of vocalist and producer Mike Descala and producers Ian Redman and Chris Henry. To create this hit, they used a recording studio where Mike Descala was the engineer and they recorded it with obviously him singing. During the recording session, they said they did not have a pop filter for the microphone, so they used a sock instead. For those of you who... Uh, don't spend all their times recording podcasts. Lucky, lucky people. A pop filter is a kind of black gauze sheet that you buy to basically stop P's and B's from blowing up the sound, as you may have heard on previous episodes of this show, but not now because I have a pop filter so I can say such things as Paris Hilton's personal best pop single is Stars Are Blind without any spikes in the vocal. Although if I'd known about this sock thing, I could have saved the £5 that it cost me to get a pop shield on eBay and done it the Ultrabeat way. But I'm sure since then, Ultrabeat 2 have used the proceeds of Pretty Green Eyes to buy all the pop shields they could want. Although... Maybe Ultrabeat aren't entirely flush with cash because I was looking at a booking website in which you can kind of book music acts for your kind of corporate gigs or birthday parties or whatever. Ultrabeat were on there and to book Ultrabeat for corporate events, private parties, wedding, company parties, celebratory events, galas, balls, launch events, festivals and themed parties would cost you in the range of £5,000. And that, by the way, is without Mike Descala, who left the band in 2013. So you would not even get a authentic version of Pretty Green Eyes, which is their only real big hit. So you might think that's a little bit steep, but between five and 25,000, I guess the range is based on how much time you want or whether you want them to bring their own kit or whatever. The range between 5,000 and 25,000 seems to be the range for dance duos who kind of only really have one big hit. So for the same amount of money, you could get for your party, Oxide Neutrino, the performers of the song Bound for the Reload Brackets Casualty. Or you could even have two of the Klaxons. And amazingly, one of those Klaxons is the one who's married to Kira Knightley. So I don't know what's going on with their family finances, but if you wanted two of the Klaxons to DJ and maybe perform Golden Scans, it would cost you between five and £25,000. Honestly, I say save yourself some money on the same website, which is arenaentertainments.co.uk. You could book Danny Harmer to DJ for £3,000. You don't understand anything. You're a social worker. And that, I think, is money well spent. But unfortunately, Danny Harmer's solo career never got off the ground. There is an unreleased album, apparently. But it's not, we're not going to talk about Danny Harmer now as much as I could for hours. We are instead going to talk about Blue Cantrell featuring Sean Paul, this week's number one. Sold 49,192 copies this week, which is actually more than in its first week as a number one. Previously, R. Kelly with Ignition Remix had done the same and sold more in the second week than the first week. So well done to Blue Cantrell, who's really name is Tiffany Cobb. She said she's called Blue because blue is her favourite colour and Cantrell because it's her grandmother's surname. And looking at the Breathe music video, you can really tell that blue is her favourite colour because there is blue everywhere in this video. And she has these really terrifying blue contact lenses that make her look like she's an extra in Dune. And by the way, try at home, give yourself your own pop star name by taking your grandmother's name and your favourite colour. So last week on the show, we talked about the drama that Blue Cantrell was rumoured to have had an affair with Jay-Z. And it was kind of unclear based on her quotes what she had and hadn't done. And it seems that she's not afraid of bending the truth a little bit as Blue Cantrell. We see her like 
get caught up in a lie in a Q interview that she did at the time of Breathe coming out, where she was asked, did you get to choose your co-vocalist like Sean Paul? And she said, absolutely, I choose everyone I work with. And you're like, okay, good. And then the next line is, I mean, they were referred, but they ended up being people I really wanted, which was ironic. So you're saying, I get to choose everyone except for everyone who is chosen for me. Okay, Blue. She says, I really don't want to be known as an artist who keeps working with other people. It's kind of like getting a piggyback, I can't do that. Instead, you become an artist who becomes known for, let's just say she uh, never has to, to, uh, piggyback on another artist ever again after this so I guess she got what she wanted so congratulations to Blue Cantrell her second week at number one we will play it in a sec but thank you again for listening please recommend to all your friends who you think might get a kick about someone talking about how much it would cost to book Ultra Beat we're a niche group follow us on all social medias just search for the 2000s chart show we're popping up at places all over the place much to the dent of my sanity but it's all fun and i love doing this love doing this for all of you so thank you again for listening and here to bring this episode to a close is blue cantrell featuring sean paul breathe the number one single in the uk 20 years ago see you next week Sounds stupid, doesn't it? But it's my mum, and I just want to give her the easiest life possible, like she's given me. Then, hey!